Here we go. Here hey, we go. Here everybody. we go. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. It's your birthday. So, uh, today's Monday because it was, uh, slippy. Slippy. A, little, uh, a tad bit slippy, as the Pittsburghers would say on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I went so. out to take the trash out and, like, Sunday was like, yo! I'm like, that's when I sent you the text from outside. I'm like, I don't know if you've thought about it yet, yeah. but, uh, you might want to consider. It was, it was a concern of the mine. Travel. And when you mentioned it, I was like, eh, yeah, we'll, we'll just do it tomorrow. Anyway, it's a short week, so I figured yeah. you know it's not going to be that, that too too much of a problem. This is a Sam Adams blonde, Bl- bonfire blonde, bonfire blonde. All right, so it seems like it's a little low in my headphones. Can you turn on my monitor? You don't have to turn no. me up, just the monitor. Yeah, put the level up there. Okay. That should be good. Okay, does that sound normal, right? Yeah, that sounds normal. So what's going on? Well, I got uh, interesting stuff to talk about. Okay. I, I don't know if, if everybody will be interested in because a lot of it is, you know, <laughs> science-y stuff. But, uh... Okay. Well, we let's get to that in a moment. Okay. We'll, we'll save politics for after the beers, if there's any politics talk. Really, the only thing I have to say is Jeff Sessions. Ugh. I don't know if I have anything else to say this week. But. Uh, the whole everything it looks awful, but um, well, hey, wait and see. Yeah. Okay. Um, Before you get into science, so I'm going up to deer camp with my dad this year. First day of deer season in Pennsylvania yes. is the Monday after Thanksgiving, and you know I haven't gone deer hunting in forever. You know, kids are little, you know, type thing. But Heather's like, you should go. You know, so I'm going to go spend some time with my dad. And, um... They did smoke this, didn't they? Yeah, so... I haven't shot my hunting rifle in probably 15 years. And yesterday it was snowy and cold. I'm like, I really should go to the range and make sure the scope's still sighted in. So I I showed you the picture I shot. Mm -hmm. I shot four shots, and uh, three of them were practically touching. So I'm like, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Good grouping, yeah, good grouping. (laughs) The first one was off mostly because I wasn't sure when the trigger was going to release, right? Mm. And, you know, so it kind of surprised me a little bit. So I pulled that one up and high to the left, but it was still in the 10 ring. And then the other three were just like, pew, pew, pew. Oh, so I, I got this game, Watchdogs, and I've been playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mentioned to you that this song was in it. <laughs> okay. Do you want to... Am I up? Yeah, yeah you're up. Okay. So this started last year. We were... Uh, I was I was really pissed off at it because it's, it's all these dumb buzzwords. Oh, this song, yeah. okay. Yeah. See, I don't really hate. I mean, I don't think it's genius, but I don't hate the verse. But the refrain, the refrain is the really stupid. refrain. They're awful. It's, it's okay. It's, not, it's just a bunch of computer words thrown out. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not Jonathan Colton stringing together geek stuff. Right. It's, to, it's 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 like somebody it, it's like somebody talking about science stuff and they just say a bunch of science words. And oh, just like the Big Bang Theory. Right. And here's the refrain. Yeah. You don't need to do it again. It's. That was the uh, 
that was the game with the vaginas in it, right? I saw that on At Midnight, where, like, the women, like, with skirts, like, if they fell the right way, you could see their fully rendered vaginas, and, I, they, and they had to patch the game or something to kind of make them Barbie doll it. <laughs> Look, I, for, I, it. Look I for it. Watch I read something in the patch notes about them changing a model that was... I I didn't I had no idea. I, were... I I tried to find a picture of the vaginas and I couldn't find any that weren't blurred out. Um, but apparently it was all the detail. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your Google foo is better and you can find a Watchdogs Two it's, vagina. Oh, hey, why not? Right, <laughs> it's Monday. Never too early to get some. Google Watchdogs Two vagina. <clears> hmm. <throat> Um. <laughs> okay. Yep. So, oh, there we go. <laughs> is that is that hair? No, I think that that's like a panties, and there's supposed to be a oh, a split crotch, like yeah, panties. Okay. Yeah, so they had to fix the game. <laughs> huh. Oh, all right. And you installed the patch. What'd you do that for? Well, it's a PlayStation game. It's not mm. like you can't. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, that's not why I play... Uh, I didn't think it was. You didn't I, even... There's plenty of ways I can get vaginas that do not involve <laughs> video games. <laughs> Wow. Okay, so there, that <laughs> happened. I flustered Greg. He wasn't expecting his Watchdogs too. He thought it just had a shitty rap song. He didn't know it had vaginas too. Yeah, seriously. That that that's like um, it's yeah. No no words. No, no nothing is coming to mind to comment on that. So, um, there was the the interesting uh, gif I showed you, which comes from a video of the. Turkey, oh, the dog. Yeah, apparently this guy's an artist who makes you know Rube Goldberg type machines uh-huh. and, and uh, clever, clever little thing, where the dog is jumping up to try to get the turkey neck bone, and that is causing a uh, a an axe, an axe to move up and down and to chop some some uh, vegetables which have been done put on a, a ramp so they go downward, and then when it when it's done, when when it's how did it trigger again? I forget the, exactly. The ball bearing that was pushing, the big heavy ball bearing that was pushing the carrots. Right. The as soon as and that into rolls, rolls into a cup, which then pulled dumps trigger. the bucket into the... It pulled a trigger, which dumps the bucket. The uh, Into the into the turkey carcass, yeah. Yeah. I wanted it so bad to be an actual working Rube Goldberg machine, but... It might have been. I didn't think so, but, but judging by what this guy does, yeah. it may have been. If you look at some of his other stuff... Yeah, but the shot of the dog jumping and the way the axe was behaving, it wouldn't have really chopped things. If it the was way a sharp it, enough axe. But the axe was hovering, like it wasn't down, so the carrot would just kept sure? sliding. Yeah, watch the first part of the, the give. Alright. And watch the axe, and it kind of is bouncing. No, no it's, it's, going, it's hitting down. Especially because it's, it's the... It's, but here it's firmly yeah, down. There, there firmly down. Yeah. And it wasn't doing that. That's true. I mean, the rest is legit, but I just think the balance on the axe, you know, 
and maybe the dog's a little too light. <laughs> to, to, to make the axe go firmly down like that, you probably need a heavier dog. But anyway. Well, you could just adjust the ramp and... and... Yeah, perhaps. Then he needs a pusher to push those carrots into the turkey more. <laughs> and then later the dog... Uh, pulls the turkey out of the pulls oven. Pulls the turkey out of the oven, yeah. That was clever. Yeah, it's a clever video. I just wanted it so bad to be, you know, a real yeah. functioning end-to-end machine. And this one seems like it has some uh, liberties taken. Mm. Yeah, the tweet I saw was like, we've reached peak engineering, I think, is when I they put the picture of that auto turkey. <laughs> Anything else you got? Um, just drink all the booze stuff. and hack all the things. That's what we do. So I got this vodka and this Red Bull, it still gives me wings. <laughs> oh, what, what about this? You, hey, you just put it in Doom on, on Mac. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the touch bar. On the did touch you, bar. Did you play it? Watch. I didn't. <laughs> so, on the little touch bar. <laughs> so, you can't see anything, obviously, because it's... Yeah, it's yeah. stretched out, yeah. and it's really small, but someone got Doom to use the touch bar as the display. Instead well, of I mean, just going to show you that the touch bar is in there, neat, because you can do cool things with it. But I, I, that reminds me of, and uh, I was telling you, Jeff, about it. I could have sworn I showed it to you recently, but um, the Tim Allen Doom. It's, it rings a bell. I'm sure I've seen it, like, ten years ago or something, but... So this is Doom with every texture replaced and every sound replaced with Tim Allen. Oh, that's nightmarish. <laughs> that's nightmarish. Yeah. <laughs> Every so, every texture, right? So yeah. when he shoots, mm-hmm. a Tim Allen pops up in yep. front of the Tim Allen, and the, then the text is all textures. Tim <laughs> so the text is all Tim Allen's. Every sound is Tim Allen, and, and since all the sounds were kind of like, so you hear like the music mm-hmm. done his. <laughs> yeah, uh, you need. I think you kind of need the visuals, or else it yeah. really. Yeah, so not gonna no. It's yeah. mesmerizing and terrifying at the yeah. same time. And yeah, I have seen that before. It was a long time ago, but I've seen that. <laughs> so but that. it's it's not even like Toolman Tim Allen. It's Tim Allen's, um, you know, his uh, headshot. Right, yeah. Yeah. From that time. From around mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. So you haven't seen Westworld, so we can't talk about that. No, I haven't seen that yet. Um... We can talk about the, we didn't talk about the previous episode though. I mean, I, no, I we didn't separate. So, um, big reveal at the end there. Mm-hmm. I mean, were you expecting that? Did you get spoiled on that at all? Cause... I was not expecting that. Uh, at least that I, I was expecting someone to be mm-hmm. a host. It was just a question of who, right? Uh, oh, I get. I, yeah, I wasn't expecting Bernard to be a host. But... Yeah, so I I think that. It makes you like it kind of takes the handcuffs off, right? Where 
what else like what is the reality and then mm-hmm. even ask a question like what is reality you know mm-hmm. that you know so the, that's what they want you to think like you know anyone's fair game anyone can be a host now yep there could be hosts you know levels of hosts yep um you know you know even you could even say you know the whole thing might all be a simulation, but you know that wouldn't be. Very it, it loses a lot of dramatic intensity if it becomes a game of of guess who's the host. Yeah, uh, I think that it would be best if the show concentrates on the fact that only a couple people are hosts, as opposed to making it so you never know who might be a host and who might not be a host. Because then you get into a whole. There's that. Sure, there's that, but they could also tell an interesting story about how hosts have escaped into the real world. Well, the, uh, Battlestar Galactica—it's well, okay. it's well-worn territory oh, at okay. this point. Right. Battlestar Galactica did did that already with the you know the Cylons, and you didn't know who the, the, the final five were, all this other stuff. Okay. So it, it feels like a retread, particularly for people who who watch Battlestar Galactica. Okay, and I'm not sure that. Um, I'm not sure you can sustain that kind of dramatic tension for you know a long enough period of time. Because if if nothing if if it goes the whole simulation route, then nothing really yeah. matters, and why do you care? Right. Well, I don't think it will. I think they'll, and I don't think they're going to overuse the the person you thought was a sentient being or human is actually a host type thing. But you know they'll they'll probably pull it out occasionally. I'm not saying I'm not even saying once a season, but they'll probably pull it out occasionally to really, you know, change your perspective on the show. I would hope. I, you can you can't use that card too many times. Yeah, you know, one if you keep playing it, then I understand. Yeah, I understand. Or you know, they'll they'll parlay that into something else. I'm not saying just play mm. that card again, but one one thing that, that I that I was premise. discussing I discussed with my father a bit because he was watching it too, and. Um, this all discussion happened before we saw the last episode, so it's all kosher mm-hmm. for you. And it, it was just about where where do they take this, right? I mean, do we just do we go back to the park next year and just another story about the park? Uh, and it, it got it got to an interesting idea where we thought, well, what if you know the show is called Westworld, but it's ultimately about society being taken over by robots, and so mm-hmm. very, very little of of Westworld actually. If it goes like five seasons, actually takes place in the park. That's just where it, where it all started. I mean, that's kind of what I was mentioning before about mm. you know this escaping into, right, and not necessarily. It'll be a like an unknown, like you know, Bernard's out there, kind of, but he he lives on premise, right? So it's not like he goes home, mm. but you know, um, the. Maeve. Maeve, yeah. She wants out, right? right? So you could imagine that, you know, either she's the first one or there could have been others that have escaped and are living humans in the future world. Or, heck, they could be people on the board, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what's his name? Ford could have replaced people with uh, with Cylons. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they are at this point. Right. Yeah. It's... I don't know. We'll We'll, we'll see if it... The reveal was like it, it was a it was a well done reveal, but it also made things to me a little bit less interesting about the show. Okay, I mean maybe it's a card they just play once. I mean he was Ford's right hand man, right? It makes sense to mm-hmm. 
make sure he's a loyal and controllable. Right sure. Gives him a lot of insight. I mean, he's practically omniscient when it comes to the CEO of the company, you know, the lady that was running the company, you know, I mean, everything that um, Bernard was access to, you know, because there was a lot of confidential stuff about, you know, Ford in mm-hmm. those, um, especially since Bernard and, and what's her name were having an affair. Uh, it's good to have friends, I guess, especially friends that you've made. It's good to have friends. <laughs> it's good to make friends. Yes. <laughs> That's what they meant when they said, make friends. Go out and make friends. Mm-hmm. I will. With your 3D printer. Uh, yeah, he had a 3D printer. Um, oh, I really want one. <laughs> really. I saw this one. It's like, I, do I save up and get a decent one, or do I get a starter one? Monoprice has what seems like a reasonable 3D printer for like $210. Mm-hmm. You might want to do that. You might, because think about what I did with the telescopes, right? I kind of, I got some, you know, decent ones, and then I, I played with the idea of buying a larger one, but mm-hmm. then eh, I didn't really use it that much, and I was like, right. eh, okay. Getting the minor one may be a good step, like, because if, if you find yourself using it a lot, like, man, I wish I had that one, then you'll know, as opposed yeah. to getting, you know, getting a really expensive 1000 or $2,000 one and being like, well, I use it every... Use it once every six months, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so I might get the Monoprice one. I got to double check to make sure it's it's good enough. But from what I've seen so far, it is. Um, I didn't link it in there. If you're looking for it, no, I, I was uh, looking for other there's other right. stuff we talked about. The um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I got it, and then. Allie's not helping, right? Because yesterday she came to me like, you remember we were talking about that printer that can make things? I really would like to get that. How long does the mono price thing take to make something? I don't know about print speed or not. Mm. Probably slow. Probably. I think tolerances and like resolution are the main things. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a couple sample print jobs from the mono price one. I don't think they were fake reviews, but they could have been. But they, I mean, it looked decent. Showed the same thing printed on like a two thousand dollar printer beside a two hundred dollar printer, and it was comparable. And quality was good enough. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think that's a good way to you know see if you're really into this. And also, that's a great way then to learn how to make stuff, and then you can graduate to right. the higher quality one. Yeah, it's a good good start. Start with TRS eighty. <laughs> yeah I think that's what I'm going to do I don't know if I get it for Christmas But uh, Heather's interested in it now I'm not sure exactly why But she's interested in it I don't know if I can see her doing 3D modeling But Who knows, who knows? Maybe that'll be her thing Who knows, yeah Alright, so I'll get on to some some of my Some of my stuff Couple things. I'm more interested in uh, doing, you know, in the uh, conceptual stuff and and trying to come up with, with easy conceptual way things other than rather than going deep into stuff. So yep. you know, working on that. One one of the things is while doing this, you know, it involves me reading lots of stuff and then looking at uh, things and trying and seeing how other people present it and trying to you know, figure out if I can present it that way or a better way or something like that. One of the things that came up was something that I had a misconception about too, and I've said I've said wrong on the show. 
several times, and you probably learned it wrong. Uh, and that is, uh, well, wrong is not wrong is not quite the word here. Anyway, when we say, for example, that gravity is really weak, and look at how weak it is, is I can hold it up. I can hold this pen up against the entire gravity of the Earth, or uh, magnet. I don't have a magnet with me. Uh, I can hold up a paperclip against the entire uh, against the entire Earth. Well, the problem is the problem with that concept is it's not quite true. Yes, I'm lifting this up against the gravity of the Earth, but I'm only lifting it up a tiny bit, right? I mean, the gravity of the Earth mm-hmm. is extensive. Right in space, and I'm lifting up barely, you know, lifting up a a foot. So really, I'm not conquering gravity all that much. I'm applying a little bit of extra potential, of extra energy, giving grav giving this a little bit more potential energy. But try to throw the pen into orbit. I'd have to throw it in, at nine point eight meters per second. I have to have a constant acceleration nine point eight meters per second. So that. Is so the Earth, even though you know we think of gravity as weak, gravity is weak on small scales, is still quite strong, and it is pulling this down, and you have to get this up yet nine point eight meters per second to get it on hyperbolic trajectory away from the Earth's gravity. Right. I thought that was cool when I read that. I was like, no, that's right. It, it's a, it's an interesting way to look at it yeah. for sure because you're you're framing. The, uh, the the demonstration, and, and I think it's important to frame it both ways, mm-hmm. right? But you're, you know, you do your first talk about lifting it up, talk about how it's weak, but then open the door, you know, in, in the lecture and say, okay, now think about it this way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it'll kind of help you appreciate both sides of the argument, but also see that you weren't seeing the whole picture at first. Right. Yeah. And it and wasn't necessarily I've talked before about how in school how that, like for example when you learn the atom and first they teach you the orbits mm-hmm. and then, you know, the shells and you know things like that where they kind of didn't tell you all the details at the beginning and I felt like why did you teach me the wrong stuff before? And I still feel that way to a degree about that thing specifically. But in you know in this lecture you're you know while you're framing it one way, and it's it's a it's a it's not incorrect, you know you are, yeah you know, pulling against you know millions and millions and millions of tons of mass, and mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to do, but yeah when you talk about its reach you know the the gravitational reach of it, and appreciating how much energy it actually takes to beat all of it right. Yeah, it, it, it's a matter of scale. I mean, it, the the magnet, for example, it works very. It's vi- much stronger than gravity at those small scales, but at large scales, the magnet is insignificant compared to the force of, of gravity right. from the Earth. But even the one of the strongest neodymium magnets that you can have isn't going to keep that paperclip elevated at more than an inch away from it. Right. Much less than an inch away from it. So you can, you know, you can maybe even use that to show how amazingly quick that falls off. That said, if, for example, you had a charged object like the size of the moon, then you have 
a very different situation. <laughs> and you have a magnetic field so strong. Well, I don't even know if that would work without creating a black hole. What, you wanted a neodymium magnet the size of the moon? If you had a charged object that was one, just, you know, one charge, like all negative charge, the, the mass of the moon, that's so much energy. I... <laughs> What do you mean? You mean all, just a ball of electrons, or what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, okay. like a ball of, of electrons. Well, it'd want to get somewhere really badly. It would. Uh, and the, char- the, the, magnetic, the, the, the magnetic field would be much stronger than the gravitational field. I, well, but... Okay, but the, this the, this item we're talking about is going to not want to stick together. Yeah, exactly. That's, and and gravity is not, you know, so, so not going to... So the energy of that is going to probably collapse it into a black hole. I think it's just going to diffuse apart into nothingness, right? Because you're not going to have enough gravity to... No, the, well, the gra- yeah, gravity is, is not going to do a thing to... But the, the... But, but the energy flux there is going to be so high... That remember, mass and energy are, you know, the sure. Same. So, how are you going to get that much stuff pushed together, though? Oh, right? I have you, no idea. Yeah, you're not right. Yeah, it would, it would, it would. The repulsion of the light charge of the particles would, you know, gravity wouldn't even come close to keeping it together. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you had some kind of containment to get to a certain point. Where, you, know, you had some way of neutralizing the charge on electrons, which is ridiculous, of course. <laughs> Stuffing them together and right. then turning off that device that... Well, you'd have to get them in a small enough area that gravity could win. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I mean, at this point we're talking about such a nonsensical... Yeah. Uh, construction it's, of matter that it, it's it's silly because yeah you can't really it's, it's like when people talk about how what happens if the sun were to disappear well the sun can't I mean we can say well the the earth should you know would keep orbiting where the sun would have been for eight minutes but that assumes that general relativity is true and if general relativity is true then the sun can't, can't just disappear. disappear so yeah. If you if you get rid of the sun, then general relativity kind of goes out the window at that point. <laughs> You're flying blind. That's another thing is that um, what we orbit, the Earth is orbiting where the sun will be in eight minutes, not where the sun is right now. No, you mean where it was eight minutes ago. No. What? Because gravity in Einstein's realm is not just point masses like newton it's pressure and energy and momentum and so since that is all pointing in the direction of where the sun will be eight minutes from now that's where we are orbiting uh okay yeah Uh, you sure? Yes, I am sure. So eight minutes ago, the sun was at point A, mm-hmm. and the graviton started coming towards us. Mm. 
I don't want to get into it. And then when it gets to us, it's at point B, but you're saying we're orbiting around point C. Well, you're okay, there there's two problems with with that construction. One, you're assuming simultaneity, which is not the case. I'm not I'm not. Yeah, because you're saying the sun is at point A. Well, the sun is at point A from our perspective on point E. Sure. The sun from our perspective, from its perspective, the sun is not at point A. The sun is wherever the sun is. Right. Uh, from another perspective, the sun is not at point A. The sun is wherever the sun is from that other perspective. So you can't just say the sun is at point A. That's part one. But from working from Earth's perspective, you could say, all right, we can predict where the sun was eight minutes ago. And we pre- can predict where the sun will be eight minutes from now. Right. All right. So we call that point B. And if you look at where the Earth is being pulled, we are being pulled towards point B, not towards point A. Okay. And the reason, like I said, is because mm-hmm. in Newtonian gravity, that, that's not the way it works, is gravity is point. But in Einsteinian gravity, gravity is energy, and energy flux and pressure and momentum all contribute into what gravity is. And so gravity then has a vector effect, and we are responding to that vector effect. Okay. Neat, huh? So I can under... I can... I could buy into the part where you're saying that there's the um, vector effect of it. The thing I don't quite buy into or understand is that we're orbiting around exactly the point where it will be in eight minutes and that's constantly moving and we're constantly moving and so that point is constantly moving and we are constantly moving to be around that point so point b moves in some direction and we move and the point where we're orbiting around also moves but we have enough momentum that that's not necessarily a problem okay i gotta think about this some more okay Fair enough. Let's talk about entropy. Because I wanted to, to get into what I think is a simpler way to, to talk about entropy. Uh, and that's by using division. Okay. So, if you say, for example, um, I have a box with four spaces in it, and I'm going to stick four balls into it. Well, let's assume these balls are indistinguishable. Well, there's only one solution. There's only one way that can work. Put four balls into each of the four spaces. What if you have five spaces? Well, now you can see, of course, that there are five possible ways this can work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one, two, three, four, and that space will just move right. around. So let, let's think of it this way. If you're trying to uh, divide eight by four, so four over eight, then there are eight boxes and you can put balls in there however you want right you can one Mm -hmm. two three four 
so there are eight possible states you can put four balls in, but there are a lot of arrangements that you can put those in. Mm-hmm. So if you take the number of, say, if you call this number four, the number of uh, molecules, and this number eight is just the the number of possible states, the number of ways you can put them in. You can sort of see how as you increase this size with four balls, there are a lot more states available. Mm-hmm. As the amount of ways open up, the, the possible arrangements becomes, it magnifies every spot, makes the possible arrangement grow and grow and grow and grow. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of entropy is that whatever you consider order, because it's frankly it's um, it's in the eye of the beholder how they you know what this could be ordered to you just four in an arrangement like that or maybe they're spaced out and that's what you consider order whatever you consider order there's only one possible way that this, that, that can work in this system and as the spaces get larger the possible ways that that order can be in that system becomes a smaller and smaller and smaller fraction. Okay. So what we have with entropy is that the amounts of possible states are constantly growing in time. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the what we have is the consistent arrangement or, or uh, the order is getting more and more, is getting less and less likely to happen. Okay. How does that sound? Sounds good. Not too different from my expectations or anything, so... Okay. Sure, it works. Good. I'm glad that that works. That was my sort of uh, attempt to figure out entropy. Right. That uh, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, trying to figure out, like, what I wouldn't have... Un- what I didn't already understand about entropy right i mean because it's like yeah okay so yes you're telling me something that you already know yeah i'm not yeah. trying to yeah yeah so i'm just trying to figure out like what don't i what didn't i know about what you said and now yeah. you know i think at that level they're really it's it's a reasonable way to describe it for sure mm-hmm. uh, and it'll probably fit into many people's intuition of what they've had it might just have be more concrete example now that they than they had before cool So the other thing I was trying to think about was, um, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, or last time, was potential, quantum potentials and stuff like that. Uh, And the way that I figured you might kind of want to explain that um, is with, I don't know about quantum potentials so much, but maybe this can explain orbitals, atomic orbitals. And the way you explain that is with base 10 digits. So if you think about how we write a base 10 number, right? So we say number 345. Well, actually, let's go simpler. Let's go four. Uh, what this number is a bucket. It's an array, right? But it's a bucket of 10 possible uh, spaces, right? So zero mm-hmm. to nine. Uh, and you fill in one, two, three, four. When this fills up to nine... The next one, this energy dumps into the next bucket. Right. 
and it starts over again. And that's what's going on kind of with atomic orbitals. You have... Okay, so here, when you're describing this next time, talk about like an odometer, right? How it ticks over. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like the, this feeling, though, because when you when you get into potentials, you usually consider it as a potential well. Okay. So you fill this up, and then it spills over into the next, you know, the next potential. Oh, okay. I see. So right. that's kind of why I like the bucket analogy more. I see what you mean by the odometer, though. It does because because people naturally because people are used to that and they know when it ticks over, it ticks the next one. But that's gears. But it's it's a mechanical representation of how base ten numbers work. It is, but it doesn't quite un- get to what happens in an atom. And this is sort of like, mm-hmm. well, these two things get filled, so the next one has to go into the next orbital, which has more potentials. And then these get filled, and then they go into... I was considering doing it in base two, and then I realized, well, it doesn't really work like that. It goes kind of two, eight, um, 18 slash 32. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does... It does really weird things. In fact, if you look at the the, Wiki, the Wikipedia article for orbitals, because mm-hmm. I was looking at that when I was trying to figure out how to how to explain this, there's lots of really cool stuff, uh, including uh, some awesome graphs of some awesome uh, three dimensional moving graphs of uh, the drum effect and the wave functions. So, yeah, here we go. You can see how. These are the oscillations that occur okay. on the various levels, and so like this would be uh, the drum mode S one. It's like the, the very lowest, and it's just it's just you know oscillating back and forth. And and there could be another one that's oscillating in the opposite, another electron that's oscillating opposite direction. As long mm-hmm. as they are oscillating in opposite directions, they can be in the same spot. They can't be oscillating the same direction because that would be. Precluded by the uh, by, that'd be precluded by public exclusion principle. Okay, that would force then. So if, if they were both spin down, mm-hmm. which can happen, yeah. uh, then one would be this way, and the other one would be stuck into the next orbital. Right. Still trying to figure out what I'm looking at here. This is a plot of how the the potential area where the electron could be oscillates in the orbital of the electron around okay. the nucleus. So remember, because we're not talking about a particle, we're talking about a cloud, essentially a cloud of probability. This is the, the cloud of, of this is the probability cloud, more or okay. less. You can see how it gets ridiculously complicated as you get into Right. So there but that's still for one electron? No, no. This is oh. this is one electron. This is the next orbital up. You can see. But it. no, no. But so down there where you have like seven. Oh eight. yes, yes. But that's so. What electron could be is most likely in one of these eight places. Mm-hmm. Right. But it could be anywhere else too. And these then are then like they're off on different sort of angles, mm-hmm. and they make uh, weird. They make these weird orbital shapes. Their potentials as opposed to just being circles. So. Right. Okay. That's why atomic chemistry is ridiculously hard. 
and that's why you know like when you i i could do the basic math on a hydrogen atom because it's simple wave function very simple once you get to helium all that shit goes all the way up to helium all the way up to helium now you're talking about a it's a drastically more complex system because you're just you're just taking the Schrodinger equation and you, and you're applying it and the Schrodinger equation is is you know it, it, it's a wonderful piece of work but it it does not scale well uh, and trying to do that for for more complicated things than just this mm-hmm. is a nightmare. Even our best computers can't really do it. <laughs> Then there's lithium. And then it just gets harder and harder and harder. <laughs> so we, you know, we estimate and we do those kind of things. Or yes. we. We. People. <laughs> Smarter people than humans. People. <laughs> Some humans. You see Stephen Hawking uh, put out another thing saying we've got about a thousand years to get off this planet or we'll probably go extinct. Yeah. Stephen Hawking has become sort of a... Yeah, I know prophet or uh just just a yeah he's a like a doomsday prophet <laughs> kind of we keep forgetting to talk about the galaxy note seven maybe maybe when you're stuck in your head for so long <laughs> yeah i think that's part of the problem yeah um i also think that generally as you get older you tend to see the world in a much more myopic way you tend to see things as as falling apart and being destroyed when you're young you want things to be destroyed and when you're old <laughs> that's the last thing you want the young people i know want the world to be torn down and replaced all new and old people are just like I, I just want the stuff i like to stay there <laughs> i used to be cool man i don't know which is better i i admire the youth I also think that steady growth is preferable, but uh, not none of it is true. It's all just a matter of perspective and mm-hmm. and comfort. And uh, I wouldn't, I shouldn't expect young people to be comfortable with what the old people are comfortable with, and vice versa. Sounds good. That's my politics talk for today. There you go. Then why did all the old people vote to, vote to burn down democracy? <laughs> I'm teasing. Teasing. I, well, I don't have an answer to that question, so it's a good one. Because um, <laughs> they didn't see it as that, right? That's the answers. Yeah, well, I mean, right. Well, because it, it, it's, an, it's emotional rather than right. logical. All right. Well, let's get on to beers. All right. That sounds like a good idea to me. Thank you for putting up with me.